sometimes we have to. I want to speak about patience this morning, this afternoon. Let's look to the Lord for help. Our God, we give you thanks for your presence among us, your love for us, your everlasting patience with us. You truly suffer long as you bring people to salvation, including ourselves. We have many faults. You're patient with us. You lead us on as a shepherd leads his sheep. We're thankful for this morning time we've had around the person of the Lord Jesus. We're thankful for this session. We're thankful for the Sunday school, Lord. Bless your word. May it be spoken in power and received for the building up of your church in these young ones. And so we just ask as you speak to us now, Lord, uh, we pray that you would um, empty the speaker of himself, Lord, that you might have full sway and that we might all be benefited by being here. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So you can turn to Second Peter, chapter 1. A while back, I have, we were studying Second Peter in our Thursday night Bible study, and I was struck, and several of us were struck by these this encouragement that Peter gives right at the beginning of the book to supplement our precious faith, to add to our precious faith these seven qualities of the Christian life. And not just to do it, but as I've said many times in verse 5, to make every effort to do this. And... So, through the course of the last months or so, it's been an exercise to go through each of these seven qualities and to focus on each one, and then to close the message by looking at the person of Joseph in the book of Genesis as someone who exemplified each of these. And so, um, I'll just read the passage briefly. It's in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and another word for virtue is excellence, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, not to go back over the entire thing, but we spoke about how there's a sense of urgency in Peter's voice as he's saying, make every effort, be diligent, and there's no room, I believe, we can't allow room in our own hearts for laziness when it comes to our spiritual life. And I would believe definitely in America, but in the West in general, there has become this acceptance of spiritual laziness and a lack of spiritual discipline. We're afraid of spiritual discipline, and especially when we call it the spiritual disciplines, 
because when we hear that it's important to wake up at 4 a.m. and pray for an hour or whatever it might be, it sounds too much like legalism to us, as if we are earning favor with God, and so we run in the other direction. We say, no, I don't want to hear about that. Jesus paid it all, and He took care of it. And then we forget the next part, all to Him I owe, which is a, you know, it's an important second phrase of that hymn. It's true that He did it all, but as believers, we don't stop there. Our new birth is not the end, it's the beginning of a new life in His service. And so we went through and we talked about the importance of adding excellence or virtue and how crucial that is. How important it is to add knowledge, and especially by the reading of the Word. You can't just neglect the reading of the Word. How important it is, the last time we spoke, to be a self-controlled people. Self-control. And I talked specifically about the discipline of fasting. How often we neglect the cultivation of self-control in our own lives and even in the lives of our children or those that, we're, uh, that are under our influence. We need to be a self-controlled people. And now we get to this word, which in some of your translations it's going to be patience, and then in others it might be endurance, and in others it might be the one I like the best, steadfastness. Steadfastness. We need to add steadfastness to our faith. I'm speaking to an entire room of people. Every single person here has professed faith in Jesus Christ. So that governs the way you preach, right? It changes the message. I'm not saying that everyone here is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't know that, right? As much as Paul could say to those hearers that he was writing to, he could say, I am confident of greater things in you. And I can say that too to you. I am confident that everyone here is a believer in the Lord. But you've all professed faith. And so it's important now to, Peter wants to say, to add to or supplement your faith with steadfastness, okay? I just want to talk a little bit about um, what it is and then a little bit about what it isn't. In other words, what is the opposite of steadfastness? And then close by looking at Joseph as an example of how to do this practically. First, imagine yourself hearing bad news from a doctor that you trust who basically tells you you have a very serious illness and unless it's taken care of by surgery, you're going to die soon. So this is bad news. And so you, he makes an appointment for you, and you show up at this waiting room. And this is going to be just a picture or an allegory. But think about entering into this waiting room, and you see a sign over the door as you go in. Matthew, what's the verse? 10.22. The one who endures to the end will be saved. And so you sit in the waiting room, waiting. And you're waiting, you're waiting, time goes by. We've all had experience of being in a waiting room, right? As time goes by, you don't know how long you're going to be waiting. People come in, they're talking loud. Some of them haven't showered for a long time and it's starting to get smelly in there. People are yelling. A fight breaks out in the corner. Then the air conditioning breaks and it starts to get hot. Trials come in the waiting room. Then you start to see people, one by one, getting up and saying, I'm out of here. I can't wait anymore. I know it's important, but I don't want to wait anymore. And they start leaving. 
then the other people who are left start to get discouraged. Well, that doesn't seem very good. That's not a good sign. Then you start hearing whispers over here in the corner. I don't even think the doctor is back in there. I don't think he's here at all. We're waiting for nothing. And there becomes a lot of discouragement, a lot of doubt. Doubts are sowed in your mind. So the question is, what is going to keep you waiting in that waiting room when all those trials come? I would say three things. And the first two are obvious, but the third one, I just, as I was thinking about my own self in a waiting room, this third one came to me and it really helps me to see the importance of adding steadfastness in our life. The first two are obvious. The pain that you're feeling is going to keep you waiting. Because you're like, what can I do? I have this disease. I'm going, I believe that it is going to kill me. I need to wait. Because it says, he who endures to the end will be saved. I believe that I need to see the doctor. The second thing that's going to keep you waiting is your trust and your knowledge of the doctor himself. He would never leave us here. I know he's back there. I know he's coming. And so your faith in that doctor is going to keep you there. But the third one, and I don't know if you're like this, but the longer you wait, the less likely you are to leave because you say, man, I waited all this time. You know, I can't leave now. I've got too much into it. I've been here for hours. As the time ticks by, you're going to think, and every trial that you pass, you're going to be like, I waited through that fight that broke out and I was scared for my life. I'm not leaving now. I waited through the air conditioning break and they fixed it now. Everything's better. I'm not leaving now. And I would encourage us to think about steadfastness or endurance in the faith in that way. We need to endure as believers. And Brother Laurel was praying this also. He was talking about the need that we have to stand firm and fast. That idea of standing fast is in steadfast. That's why I like it. It's an old-fashioned word, but we need to stand fast in the faith. What is going to keep us there? A knowledge of our problem as human beings and our need of a Savior, that's going to keep us there. Without Christ, I can do nothing. I'm not leaving this waiting room. I'm waiting for Him. My knowledge of Him, as I increase in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Himself, it will keep me waiting and persevering and enduring to the end. But I believe also the longer we wait, if we are exercised by it, and we'll look at that verse later, that very waiting and that very enduring can build us up and build up our steadfastness. So there's two words in the Bible that are often translated patience. And so as a kind of a happy accident, Diane is talking about the fruit of the Spirit today and focusing on patience. That is a different word than the one we find in 2 Peter. That's a word that sometimes is translated long-suffering. And it focuses on the emotional side of waiting. The passion, the suffering, the long-suffering as I'm waiting. This word is a positional word. It focuses on just the very fact of standing still when everything else is moving. <clears throat> the very fact of enduring. It means literally to remain under something. To remain under. Imagine yourself with a big burden. This word, to remain steadfast or to endure, means stay under it. Stay under it. Don't just toss it to the side and do something else. And I believe in our culture... This is a very 
lacking quality. I think all of these seven are hard to find in the world. And the temptations of the, de of the devil is always to pull us towards the opposite. But this one in particular, in our culture in 21st century, I think steadfastness is really out of style. Everything is always changing. I saw a billboard the other day for an air conditioning company, and it said, serving South Florida since 2004. And I'm like, well, that's not really very long. <laughs> I mean, they used to have signs that says, you know, serving South Florida since 1887 or something. You know. Now, that's, some, that's endurance. That's sticking around. But serving <laughs> since 2004, that's like, wow, I would have been here forever. 2004, that's amazing. If you stay at a job longer than 10 years, you're just, you're practically a, you're ancient, right? You're like, man, you've been here forever. And I remember my grandfather worked at a, a power plant, and I can't remember how long he was there, 30 or 40 years, but everybody did that. There was like this stick to if that's a word, that was almost like bred into the culture, and that has dissipated in our culture. This is a, a culture in the 21st century, everything must be new. You change churches at least every two years. Because after two years, you start to get to know people. And then it gets uncomfortable, and then you're like, oh, I'm moving on. <laughs> you know, when I first come, it's like, it's pretty nice. Oh, this is all new. But it gets a little old after a while, and I've got to freshen it up. And so I move. I change jobs. I change locations. Now, I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong in moving or changing jobs. I don't know about changing churches. We'll, we could talk about that later. But that idea of staying with something, even when it gets difficult, is very foreign to 21st century human beings. Because we are there for ourselves. So if it stops to serve myself or my ends, I move on. What will give us a sense of steadfastness and endurance is being there for Christ. He has called me to this particular thing. I mean, think about marriage today. Marriage today is very flippant. I was talking to a friend and he said people are now starting, maybe you've heard this, people are starting to talk about the first marriage as being the practice marriage. This is just, I'm practicing, I'm learning what it's like. And, and it's good to be to the point where <clears throat> when you're going out for a date with somebody, you'll say, I've been married three times. I mean, I'm getting really good at this. I'm, I'm practicing. <laughs> right? And the person's going to, oh, wow, now that's experience. We have a respect for that kind of flightiness and superficiality. We don't like the idea of the old curmudgeonly person like I'm in the same marriage for 50 years and like oh how boring we have to in the church have a reversal of that priority so that we begin to value steadfastness sticking to it I wanted to look at um, some synonyms if you could flip to Colossians 1.23 some other words that are similar that we find in the New Testament, I think all of these gives a nice kind of accent to it or a different facet of this word, endurance, steadfastness. You know, when you become a believer, you have zero steadfastness because you haven't uh, endured. You know, you might be filled with love. You might be filled with joy when you become a believer. But your steadfastness is like at a one or two. You haven't endured yet. As you stick it out, as you pass through trials, it builds. Your patience or steadfastness or endurance build. It's <clears throat> the way it works. 
So in Colossians 1.23, Paul is speaking and he says, well, look at 21. These are beautiful verses about the Lord Jesus. And, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. The work of Christ is powerful on your behalf. Right? He has paid it all. He has done it all. But we're uncomfortable as we move into verse 23 and we see that if there. Wait a minute. Now it sounds conditional. It sounds like if I don't do something, Jesus is going to drop me. Now you know, if you know me, that I don't believe that those who are in Christ and covered by His blood and have been born again can somehow be unborn. You can't go back and become unborn once you're born. But this condition that He gives is important. It says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. It is important, if you're in the sound of my words today, that you're a Christian ten years from now. If you're not, you're not going to get to the pearly gates and say, well, I prayed this prayer when I was such and such. If you abandon God, then you will not, He will not drop you. You will be one who says to, God, to Jesus at the gate, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I pray this prayer when I was six years old? Didn't I do this and that? And He will say, not I knew you for a while and then I stopped knowing you because you didn't add up or you didn't measure up. He'll say, I never knew you. And so this is a solemn warning to the church, to the professing church. It is important that you endure. And as we said many times in this church, Times will get difficult for believers in this country. It's happening overseas more rapidly, but times are going to get difficult for you and me. And I'm not just talking about people making fun of you because you're praying over your lunch at Wendy's. I'm talking about being pushed to the edge and needing to say, do I believe this enough to lay my life down? Do I believe this enough to endure unbelievable persecution?" And we have to, have, without steadfastness, right, where would we be? So we need to take it seriously. And so these two words he uses is stable and steadfast. If you flip to 1 Corinthians, verse 15, we see another pair. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 58. And this is a great one because it helps us learn a little bit about, well, wait a minute, I, if I want to take it seriously, I've got to make it practical. How can I add steadfastness in my life? I feel like that flighty person. I feel like that person who's kind of lackadaisical about my spirituality. Uh, at the least little threat, I'm ready to get out of there. How do I do this? And he says to his hearers in 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, immovable. You can't be pushed around. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And just as I said, if as a believer you invest your time in labor for the Lord, it's going to help you say, I'm not even now. I've got, I've got my whole life invested into this. 
and I will be that kind of steadfast person, he who endures to the end. And the Lord will look at me and say, well, you didn't do anything, but i got to let you in because you prayed a prayer. That's not what He's going to say. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. It doesn't mean you've done everything right. But the Lord will point to things in your life where you served Him effectively. And we've got to search our hearts and say, can I find those? If not, man, I've got to get busy here. Not to earn my salvation, but the Lord has saved me for works. And I've got to get busy and start doing it. And as I do those works, He is adding steadfastness to my life. I become not a ficus tree. You know how ficus trees, the roots spread out? Um, <clears throat> they spread wide. They're real shallow. But, and so when the wind comes... You see, in West Palm, you'll see the whole thing flipped over and the root system is really wide, but it's not deep. And so it's blown over at the least wind. We'll be instead a redwood. Can you imagine a redwood tree, like one of those trees that's like as big around as this building? It doesn't matter if a hurricane comes. It's not going anywhere because the roots go down almost as deeply as the branches go up. And that's what we need in our Christian faith. We need to have rootedness, to be rooted and grounded in love. And that comes with a history of serving the Lord with patience and endurance. I want to look, I know that uh, we got a little late start, but I do want to look at some scriptures concerning what is the opposite of steadfastness? What are the temptations that we need to resist? Things that I can see maybe in my life that I need to weed out or avoid temptations that I see. So let's just turn to a couple scriptures. There's five of them. Five of these opposites. The first one is in Mark 7. And we'll go through them quickly. And if you want to just listen, maybe you can write it down. And I will say, for those of you who are unaware, we do have a website for the church here. And we, we try to be diligent about putting the messages up on that website. And if you want to go back over it, you can or share it with someone. Just the messages, not the the breaking of bread or anything like that. Mark 7, verse 8. The Lord is speaking and He says, You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. This is a warning for us. Because the Pharisees, as you know, were very steadfast. Right? They were immovable. But the problem was, they were standing in the wrong place. So it's not just good to be steadfast. You have to be standing fast on the solid rock. If you're steadfast and you've built your life on the sand, someone will come along to you and say, you've got to get out of here. The waves are coming. I'm immovable. I'm unshakable. That's not a good quality if you've planted yourself in the wrong place. And so the Pharisees were steadfast, but what they did is they left the commandment of God. And so the first opposite that we need to resist is leaving. Leaving. And this is the most obvious one. If you leave the commandment of God, if you are like somebody that I know who now says they no longer believe in God, they were raised in the church, they have rejected the faith, they have left the commandment of God, and they are merely holding to the traditions of men. They aren't even religious. They're just, you know, human nature, human rights, and that kind of stuff. That's a dangerous place to be. Turn to Hebrews. The rest of them will be in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. So the first opposite or the thing that we need to resist is the temptation to leave. And I think 
maybe, just by default, the younger ones among us are going to be more tempted to leave than the older ones. And it's just because that's the way steadfastness works. The longer you're in it, not that you don't need it, you do. You still need to add it to your faith, but we young ones need to be careful with that temptation that we see. Remember when I was saying in the waiting room, what happens when somebody, you're, you're talking to your friend beside you and you endure all this, and finally your friend's like, I've had it, I'm out of here. Aren't you going to be tempted? Well, I guess I better leave too. And we see people around us leaving the faith, and that will happen more and more. Apostasy will increase. Will it shake us? No, it can't shake us. We don't want to leave with them. Hebrews 2, and I'll read this from the ESV version. It's spoken a little differently in the King James, but I think the Darby gets it closer in the ESV. It says in verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. It's not, if you look at the original, it's not that it drifts away from us. We drift away from it. And I was, you, you've often heard, there is no standing still spiritually. If you're standing still, you're in a stream, our culture, that's constantly running. So if you stand still in the ocean, you're not just standing still, right? You're drifting with the current. And this is true about our spirituality. If you're neutral, so-called neutral, or if you're not progressing in the faith, you're moving backwards. You're drifting away. And the writer of Hebrews is very insistent that he's warning, beware, lest you neglect such a great salvation. So, one of the things we need to resist is a temptation to leave. One of the things we need to resist is a temptation to drift, to simply drift and let things happen the way they, the way they happen. Hebrews 10 gives us our third one. wonderful chapter of the Bible, Hebrews 10, verse 35, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. You know, our confidence is in Christ. Don't forget that. Don't let this message make you think, well, it all hinges on me. It does not hinge on you. But as you work out your salvation in fear and trembling, as God is working in you, it is going to look like something. This is one of the things it's going to look like. It's going to look like endurance. So the writer says, therefore, don't throw away your confidence, for you have need of endurance. And this is Peter's word. This is the same word. You have need of steadfastness, so that when you've done the will of God, you might receive what's promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But the righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So that's the other, the third opposite. Leaving, drifting, Shrinking back, drawing back. And here's this wonderful comment that he makes after that in verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back. So don't let your life look like that. You were going hard after God and now you're pulling back. You're drawing back. No. We need to be steadfast in the work of the Lord. right? And then when He appears, we're not going to be like that person that says, Oh no, He's coming. Because we're going to meet Him as one who has run the race, finish the, the course that he set for us. Two more, Hebrews 12. And I think I'll probably speak, uh, split this up into two. I know our time is, is going. I don't want to 
rush through a lot of the material. We'll just finish by looking at these last two opposites or things that we need to resist. Hebrews 12 is a wonderful place to look. If you want to add steadfastness to your faith, add patience to your faith, the whole chapter is really wonderful. And so what we find Him saying, we know, consider Jesus, right? Look at verse 3. Consider Him who endured, and this is the same word, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And so this is the fourth thing that we need to resist. The fourth thing we need to struggle against. Weariness and faint-hearted, faint-heartedness in our spiritual walk. Are you tired of being good? Are you tired of being that person at work that gets kicked around because you are trying to turn the other cheek? You're trying to serve those who are there. You're not scrambling for all the things in the world like everyone else, and so you get overlooked. Are you growing weary in doing good? And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, that we don't want to grow weary or faint-hearted in doing good. Because the Lord Jesus, imagine if He had said, I'm just tired. I'm too tired. How often do I even say it myself? How are you doing? Pretty tired. You know, run down. I'm, uh, you know, I start shaking my head. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Now, I know that it's true. We get burdened. We get worn down. But as believers, especially in our spiritual walk, we have to strive for the kind of steadfastness that say, the world is storming and rocking about me, but I will not be moved. Right? I will not be moved. It's such a great place to be. The fifth one is actually in 2 John. This is the last one. If you think about these opposites. And I would say that each of these opposites is characteristic of our culture. And steadfastness is characteristic of our God. God is a steadfast lover of His people. He always perseveres. He, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our culture is a leaving culture. It's a drifting culture. It's a culture that shrinks back at the least threat. It's definitely a culture that it be becomes weary and makes weary. And lastly, it is a progressive culture in all the worst sense of this word. And so in 2 John, he is writing this brief letter, and he tells them in verse 9, <clears throat> he's speaking about people who are preaching falsely and and I like this phrase, again, translations differ, but the best translations will say something like, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. You know, it's not always falling back that is the opposite of endurance. Sometimes it's going forward. Sometimes it's going ahead. Right? And there is an idea of progressiveness in our culture New is always better. You know, I've got to change it up. I've got to move on ahead. This is old-fashioned, this idea of the thinking of the Bible is inerrant. It's, it's the Word of God. No, no, no. I, I'm too new-fangled for that. So beware of the temptation to progress beyond what God has set in place. And, if, and you know that that's very true of our culture today. It's a progressive culture. And I don't think that all progressiveness is wrong. Because God does want us to move forward. And He does want us to take the things that are broken 
and work at mending them. But sometimes progressiveness for progressiveness sake is a dangerous thing and something that as believers we need to struggle against. So I just want to encourage you, be steadfast in your faith. Endure the temptations that have come to you already and you're feeling today, but ones that are going to come in the future also. Endure looking to Him as the example. And then maybe sometime in the future we can just finish this by making it a little more practical. How can I add this steadfastness to my life? And looking at Joseph as an example of one who took every opportunity to do so. For his name's sake. Amen.